Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, we have a great show lined up for today, as usual. You know, we're going to start off here talking about the next recession. And you don't want to, how to avoid becoming a casualty of the next recession. Is your crystal ball forecasting a recession, Mr. We're, we're Someday, yes, I am. Someday. You know, someday. we don't know when that's going to be. They do happen. So. They do happen. It is a fact of the economic cycles and... Um, you know, during the last economic recession, there are a lot of people, a huge percentage, I won't give away the story, but it's a huge percentage that are still trying to recover from the recession 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to talk about that, some facts behind it, and how you can avoid becoming the casual a casualty of the next recession. Yeah, and uh, this is a uh, next article we're going to talk about is passive income and some uh, ideas of um, how you can actually not work and get income. And um, some of them are pretty nice. straightforward. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. You can be on the golf course, Steve, and and uh, you know getting getting paid from your investments. You I know. love that idea. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is good. Comes out of the Ramsey organization. Chris Hogan uh, put this together and uh, some ideas, and uh, it kind of ties into investing a little bit. But there's some other things that uh, we're going to throw out there as well. Yeah, passive investing, passive income. That is very important. You need that for retirement. That's for sure. So. Very important topic. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 23 years' experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to all the podcasts, you can listen to it from the uh, the website as well. We have a whole bunch of videos that we've shot over the uh, the, the last couple of months um, on different topics from college planning to uh, long-term care and so forth. A lot of tools out there. We've been building the resource library. Uh, there's a, a link on there, Steve, to the um, majors for, for um, colleges and who what majors pay more yep. and so forth. That's so a lot, a lot of really good information out there. So check that out. Also, we have a Facebook page. We put a prescription of the week on there. Uh, video and uh, Twitter as well. So we're out there in a lot of different places. Right. And we have a retirement planner on the website <clears throat> yes, too, we do. which is very, very helpful. A lot of people use that. And uh, But you can reach us by email. We'd love to hear from you and send us your questions. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net or just link to us off of our website. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, last great recession that we had. That was back in 2008. And um, you know that's 10 years ago now. It was September... Uh, the 15th of 2008, when Lehman Brothers, that was a 158-year-old company, it was forced to file bankruptcy protection. There was no white knight that came in to rescue the company, um, and uh, still the largest uh, bankruptcy ever. And it just goes to show you how the, the tradition of that company, I mean, it was a stalwart on yes, Wall Street and um, had a lot of connections, and it was interwoven in the economy. And, you know, if you had all of your money there or you work there, no longer you have zero. It's gone. That's right. Yeah. I mean, they kind of coined the phrase then too big to fail because, you know, what they found out was a kind of a domino effect to them. And that started the kind of the Great Recession. They did. Their failure. And um, after that, the feds kind of stepped in to prevent other similar large bankruptcies from happening. But, uh, yeah, it's 10 years ago. Hard to believe. But. 
as you know, if you look at the 2008, so that was, you're right, that was the, kind of the first domino. And then October of 2008, I think the markets were off about 20%. Right. Um, big, big month. But, you know, the article that we're about to talk about um, kind of feeds into that, how you want to make sure you're protected if there is a 20% down month, right? Exactly. So there, exactly. there are ways to do it. Yeah. And how to position yourself individually, you know, with your job and everything else so that you don't become a casualty. Because, yeah, I mean, this article out of CNBC.com, uh, Jessica Dickler uh, wrote it here very recently. Um, it, but they say, you know, here in this article that it's, it's hard to believe, but there's a new study that shows that 60% of people are still trying to recover in one form or fashion from the Great Recession some 10 years ago when the economy fell off a cliff. Um, that's right. It's a decade later now and and since the start of the Great Recession, and American workers are still trying to make up for ground they lost after the financial crisis. Now, at the same time, today's soon-to-be retirees are woefully unprepared for the, another downturn. So this is a really important topic. It really is. And, and so the, they talk about a, a gentleman up in um, uh, Detroit. He was a um, an advertising executive in the auto industry, and he was making about hundred grand a year. Um, great job contributing to his 401k savings plan at work. And um, you know, then the S&P tumbled roughly 50%, and there was about $3 trillion in retirement accounts that were lost during the crash. And obviously, Detroit was really hit hard. I mean, there are bankruptcies in the auto industry. They had massive layoffs uh, and a foreclosure crisis that uh, really brought the city to its knees. And so a decade later, um, this gentleman, now 58, is working at a Florida theme park as a photographer. And he was never able to find another position in his field that that whole industry was just ransacked. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's a very familiar story. I mean, we've heard lots of people over the years that really had to retool. Um, but yeah, he says, you know, his whole career in the automotive advertising industry kind of pigeonholed him, very narrow field. His annual income now, though, as a photographer, is only like $25,000 a year. So it makes it very difficult for him to save any money. Um, you know, he's contributing a little bit, to, but nothing like he did whenever he was making that kind of money before. And, you know, it's impossible to build a nest egg, he says, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen similar stories over the years, um, you know, back during the, the Great Recession. Lots of folks lost their jobs, had to retool. Um, in fact, in a survey of workers from Transamerica for retirement studies, 56% of re- respondents said they have not fully recovered from the Great Recession. And of those respondents, 37% say they have somewhat recovered. 12% say they have not begun to recover at all. And 7% said they don't think they'll ever recover. So, you know, it's a pretty dire situation when you look at those kind of stats, how many people are still suffering Mm -hmm. from the Great Recession a decade later. Um, Yet, by most measures, today's economy is very strong. The S&P 500 is hitting new highs, as we know. Um, The Americans' Consumer Confidence Index rose in August to the highest level in 18 years. The economic growth rate was 4.1% in July, um, the fastest pace in four years. And the unemployment rate is below 4%, so it's near an 18-year low. Um, in the months after the recession, unemployment peaked at over 10%. So 
big contrast to where we were 10 years ago. No doubt. And and um, still 7 in 10 Americans believe that there's going to be um, in another crisis in the future. And um, yet only half recognize that they need a financial plan that anticipates the up and the down cycles. And even fewer, 44%, actually have a plan in place. And that's according to Northwestern Mutual's um, study that they recently did. And, you know, 7 in 10 believe there's going to be another crisis. I mean, if you look back at history, Steve, you know, the stock market goes up and down, and, and there will be another crisis at some Certain, point. I of mean, course. That's just the way the markets work, and, and uh, there, we don't know where it's going to come from, and we don't know when. Um, as, as one financial planner puts it, for a person who does not have a disciplined approach, it's kind of like being tossed in the waves. There's a lot of information available now than there was, you know, 10 years ago, a lot more information. But people have to, to walk through it to really know it, and um, some people need help from an outside source. They do. It's hard to disseminate all the information and know the right path to take to prepare yourself for the next downturn. Um, but, you know, they point out here everyone should have an understanding of their financial situation, what income is coming in, what's going out to cover expenses. Um, then you can see where you need to cut expenses if you have to. And from there, you know, planners advise clients to to create a plan, have a retirement plan that addresses your short-term and your long-term goals. Um, that means helping you to diversify as the fluctuations occur so that you can, you know, keep sleeping at night so that you're in the proper risk level when the next downturn hits. And that doesn't just mean, well, having a well-balanced portfolio. It means being properly diversified in a lot of different asset classes. So we'll talk about that more here in a minute. But many times, 90% of the tension has been on investments, you know, and that's the mistake the mistake is to minimize all the other pieces to the plan, like your estate plan, taxes, the cost of long-term care. One Fidelity study uh, found the typical retired couple will spend like 260000 on out-of-pocket health care costs over the remainder of their lives. And long-term care could add another 130000 to that. So that's a big piece of the long-term puzzle. But further, clients often underestimate their life expectancy. Um in fact, 43% of retirees and 38% of pre-retirees, they fell short by at least five years when they were asked to gauge the average life expectancy for someone of their age and gender, according to a survey by the uh, Society for Actuaries. Um, for today's soon-to-be retirees, the stakes are as high as they were 10 years ago. Um, so you really have to know where you stand. Yeah, and you got to plan on this, Steve. I mean, you know, what, what we typically recommend and others in the industry as well is um, as you're nearing retirement or in retirement, keep um, a war chest of conservative investments. I mean, that's roughly, you know, maybe a, a year, um, maybe a couple years worth of living expenses and safe investments um, outside of the stock market. So it means fixed income, um, you know, some cash. If you have some pensions, that really helps. Um, you know, then we have, you have a way to create some relatively sustainable distributions from the conservative side, um, to get through the down periods. And, you know, these big events can happen, but it's really about your behavior through those events that can give you that long-term security. So, but you gotta have a plan. You gotta have a strategy as you go into these sessions. Exactly. Exactly. So what can you do now to ensure that you don't become a casualty of the next great recession and to ensure that you're not one of these people that haven't recovered 10 years later. So here are our tips to ensure that you are prepared for the next uh, down market. So the first thing here is 
don't panic and make changes. That's the first tip. You know, you don't want to sell your assets or go more conservative during the next downturn. History shows that if you leave your investments alone during a recession and the likely ensuing bear market, then they will usually recover in a year or two, um, even from the worst bear market. I mean, that's what history shows. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to mess with your investments. You want to be properly diversified and allocated before you go in, but you got to leave them alone and stick to your strategy throughout a downturn. Second one here on the list, though, is to make sure you're well diversified. And being well diversified is the key to riding out the next downturn. You know, if you're well diversified, you have seven or eight different asset classes um, in your portfolio, maybe more, then you can have the confidence that your portfolio will likely recover along with the stock market when the dust settles. So you can't you can't have all your eggs in one basket. You can't be in a few stocks or in one asset class um, because, you know, there there was the lost decade for the S&P 500, mm-hmm. right? It went 10 years and didn't, didn't make anything. So from 2000 through 2009. So you can't have all your eggs in that one basket. You have to be diversified. That's what protects you and ensures that your portfolio, you know, gives you some confidence your portfolio will will likely recover with the market. Right. And part of that um, diversification, Steve, is making sure you have the the right amount of fixed income, um, you know, and the risk level. So, you know, maybe you need 30 percent, 40 percent, even 50 percent in fixed income type investments um, that will likely not drop during the bear market. Now, you do have to be careful with fixed income there. Back in 2008, some of the fixed income funds dropped 5 10 15 20% so yeah you got to have the right type you got to have the income. right type that's very very important and you know that way if you have the you know good fixed income bucket you have a place that you can draw from while the equities um, you know take time to recover if you don't have any fixed income in your portfolio when you're drawing money out then you're forced to sell the stocks when they're down to create that income and that's dollar cost averaging in reverse and that can really hurt your portfolio in the recovery over time so you got to make sure that again you're diversified these at different Asset classes, right risk levels, very important. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that was number three. Next one here on the list, number four, is to keep your skills up to date. You know, think beyond your current profession and continue to learn new skills. For example, I mean, if you're a truck driver, yes, there may come a day when autonomous vehicles will replace many of your th- those type jobs. So start thinking and training for your next profession unless you're really close to retirement. You know, with the availability of online degrees and courses today, there's really no good excuse for not keeping up, you know, with your skills, keeping your skills sharp and having a plan B for your career. So make sure you kind of have a you have a plan for where you're going to go if something happens to your your job in your career. Um, And the last one here is to stay out of debt and keep a six month emergency fund. You know, we can't overemphasize how important that is. Of course, we're always talking about that. But if you can keep your debt level very low and eventually get totally out of debt, you buy yourself a tremendous amount of flexibility for the next downturn. And this will enable you to stretch your emergency fund out and to survive long enough to get a new job if the next recession brings you a pink slip. So, you know, those are some tips you need to uh, just make sure you don't panic. You're well diversified. You're at the right risk level. Keep your skills up to date and then stay out of debt and have that emergency fund. That's what will help you survive the next next uh, downturn in the economy and the next bear market. All right. And that leads us up here to our uh, 
Question. Question of the week. Yeah, that question is, is should I borrow from my 401k to pay off debt? And, um, you know, in general, the answer is no. You're going to pay upwards of 40%. So if you need $6,000 out of your, to, to pay off debt, you would need to pull out $10,000 um, to get that because you're going to pay 40% in taxes. You got a penalty built in there of 10%. Um, then if you take the, that $10,000 and you left it alone for, you know, 10 or 20 years, that 10 is going to grow to 30 or 40 or 60. So That's right. that 10,000 is really costing you a lot more than just the taxes. Yeah, because you're out of the market. The money's not invested. And plus, I mean, you're, you're really just kicking the can down the road. You know, whenever you borrow money on your 401k to pay off other debt that you have, and then you got to repay your 401k loan over five years, you know, you're just compounding your problems because then you're likely to take the pressure off and you're likely to run your cards back up. Um, whatever your debt problems are, oftentimes they, they surface again, and then you have a 401k loan to repay along with new credit card bills. So, uh, don't let that happen. Stay away from your 401k. That's got to be in a lockbox, you know, just leave that alone. That's for retirement. Um, and just do what you need to do. Get a second job, sell something, you know, do what you need to do to clear your debts without touching your retirement plan. Try to stay away from it. Absolutely. So that's a great question of the week. And that leads up to our next topic here, and that is what is passive income? How do you build it? Um, yeah, it's a great topic. I mean, you, you, you need to be able to do that if you ever plan to retire. That's right. And this is from uh, Chris Hogan. And for those of you who have not ever heard Chris Hogan out there, go Google him um, on a YouTube or something and listen to his deep voice. It yeah, is yeah. truly amazing. Sounds, sounds like the voice of God. Yeah, <laughs> he is just, and he's a big dude. He used to play football, and but he's super passionate. He works for Dave Ramsey in the, uh, the Ramsey Solutions organization. Talking about passive income here. And, you know, if you're a forward focused thinker, you may be dreaming of maybe leaving the workforce uh, to enjoy an easier life in retirement, maybe retiring earlier. But a dream without a plan is just a wish. And to put some wheels on that dream, you need to consider passive income. And there's plenty of different passive income options and explanations on how to build it. If you're new to the idea, we're going to break it down for you and kind of define what it is and then how do you build that. Yeah, so the first question is, what is passive income? Okay, so passive income is money that you earn um, in a way that requires little or no effort. You know, it's passive. It's and some, some, so some passive income ideas would be like renting out property, um, you know, building a blog. Uh, it may take some work to get it up and running, but once you have it up and running, you know, it eventually can earn you money while you're asleep. Um, also, investing in retirement plans creates another type of passive income. And uh, building a portfolio in the stock market is a great way to create passive income as well. Um, so there are different types of passive income, but it's income that you don't have to worry about it. It kind of creates itself once you get it set up. Yeah. So the question is, is why would you want to build passive income? And the short answer is, is so you don't have to work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? That's a good answer. Yeah, right, right. So your income is your greatest wealth building tool. And it, it's a tool that typically requires you, you know, to have active participation in the form of a full-time job. And, um, you know, even if you love your job, I'm willing to bet you probably wouldn't mind earning some extra income without 
the blood, sweat, tears, and time commitment of another job. And in fact, there's several benefits of building a passive income. It increases your, your wealth building plan. It um, also will um, create an opportunity to retire early. It protects you in the in the um, if you have a complete loss of your income, if you lose your job, so the passive income can can help out with that. And it also provides additional source of income if you're no, not able to 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 work or if you outlive your retirement fund. So it's just another stream of income coming in from a source that you don't have to put a lot of time or effort into. Right. Yeah. So the the question is, how much money can you make with passive income? Well, passive income generally won't make you wealthy overnight. It's not quick, typically. Um, so forget about the quick, rich, get rich, quick schemes that you've heard of. But instead, profitable passive income options can build serious money over the long haul. And we're talking anywhere from a few thousand dollars to a few hundred thousand dollars um, over time, you know, depending on the type of income stream that you build. So you can build a very, great, a very nice passive income stream you know, but it takes time. It's not quick. Yeah. So how, how do you build passive income? There's a, a couple of different ways here. One of them is in investing. And when we say passive income, some people tend to think of investing because it produces the largest results with the least amount of work. But your retirement plan and passive income should be thought of as, as two separate things. And the whole idea behind long-term investing is to create income for retirement. And you want to make sure that you're investing in your company retirement plan, like a 401k um, you know, if your choices are good and they offer a match and, um, you can also look at Roth IRAs if they don't offer the, uh, the Roth 401k option. And, uh, these are some great options for building a solid retirement plan, but you'll incur uh, taxes and penalties for any withdrawals before a certain age. So with retirement planning, you want to let your money grow, uh, you know, for the long haul and, and try not to touch it. On the other hand, we want you to think about passive income as a type of low effort income that can be accessed anytime. And, uh, one of those is, investing related that's not really mentioned on here you can put money into a brokerage account right and a, right. a brokerage account that is invested in income that can be used at any point at any time so it can be used at 55 or you know the 401k's typically can't be accessed until um uh, you know 59 and a half so there is a way to produce passive income from investing by using a brokerage account yeah that's exactly <laughs> right um real estate is another way to uh build passive income after you're, you know, debt free and you have some cash saved up and that's by purchasing real estate and renting it out to tenants. Um, so before you buy real estate property, though, you need to have your house paid off first and you need to purchase your investment property with cash. Um, you know, he points out here, don't ever go into debt to buy rental property. And that is totally contrary to what most, most people, people do. do. Right. You know, most people buy it. With leverage, they go to the bank and they put 20% down and they borrow 80% and uh, buy their rental property. And yeah, you can make a great amount of income that way because you only have 20% of the equity in the property, but your risk is also four to one because mm -hmm. you have four to one leverage on it. So when it goes south, you know, it goes really south and it doesn't have to be empty very long before you're upside down in it and you can't, you know, you can't pay the mortgage. Um, so it's a lot safer way to do it if you do it the way that Chris Hogan suggests here, and that is do it with cash. Um, so the last thing you want to do is take on an expense of owning another house or commercial property on top of your monthly mortgage payment. So cash only, that's the rule here, period. And, you know, they also suggest that you, you buy close by, um, where you live so that you can personally keep an eye on the property. 
and, you know, uh, find a real estate agent who knows the area well so that you can buy property in a location that will attract renters. It needs to be a good rental location. It can't be just anywhere in town. So, uh, yeah. I think the other point on real estate, and Steve, we've talked about this before, is rental property can certainly be a great source of income, um, but it's it isn't the most passive choice. No, it's you know, not. You gotta, passive is kind of a misnomer, I think, with real estate. It is. I mean, you're going to put a lot of time, a lot of effort into managing the property, and unless you hire a property management company, but then you're going to have less profits associated with it. So if you do go in the rental property route, um, you, you need to be con- in control of the, the property. Uh, they don't really recommend pulling your money into the REIT piece of it because you're letting someone else kind of manage that process. So rentals, you know, kind of pseudo passive, if you will. And we do know a lot of people that, that do those and some of them do well and some of them don't. So kind of make sure that you uh, do a proper plan on that. Here's some other passive income ideas. Um, sell digital ad space. If you have a great idea that appeals to a specific market, um, you can create a, a blog or, or YouTube tutorial series that generate online yep. traffic. Once you do the heavy lifting, you can sit back and enjoy those streams of, of passive income. So that's a good example, probably pretty narrow. I don't think many people could probably do that. But Yeah, I've seen people that have YouTube channels <clears throat> mm-hmm. that create a lot of income that way because yeah. there's ads associated with those YouTube channels, and it's pretty amazing. So there's a lot of opportunities on the Internet. Yeah, another one here is sell digital products. If you've discovered how to create content that produces enough traffic to host ads, you could also make a product um, You know, your audience would love to buy like an ebook or something like that that you can um, you can get ad revenue from as well. Uh, store people's stuff. People have a lot of stuff. They're always looking for inexpensive ways to store it. Um, you know, you may have to uh, buy a storage building um, with cash. Um, you know, to to provide that you'll. Um, but you need to do some planning on that piece of it. So that's that's kind of a difficult one as well. But that's potential. Well, you know, I've seen somebody that <clears throat> that owned uh, these storage units. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of the best, uh, on paper, that was one of the best investments I've ever seen in real estate hmm. because it had very little upfront, I mean, very little ongoing expense involved with it. You know, they just built them and, you know, it's all built out of these pole buildings, this metal siding pole buildings. And it's amazing, you know, once you get those things about half full, man, you just got this stream of income from people that are just <clears> paying you. $200 a month to store their junk in your building. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I don't know. I mean, that's it's a pretty good thing if you get the right location. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but there's obviously a lot of money up front to, to build one of those properties out. But uh, that's a good idea. And then, um, you know, another one here is to rent out useful items. Um, so, you know, do you have any items that you don't use all the time that others would like to borrow, like a truck, a trailer, a trampoline, kayak, a dump trailer, you know, uh, even a boat, I guess, you know, even your own yard could <clears throat> could earn you passive income as a rental item. So this includes renting out spare rooms in your house um, with the help of websites like Airbnb. So hop on your favorite social media site um, or Craigslist, upload pictures of your items, set a price and tell why tell the world why it's ready for rent and what you have. Yeah, so um, kind of to, to wrap this up, you know, there's a lot of passive income ideas. As you search for the best fit, keep an eye, your eye out for ideas that show um, positive long-term track records. You know, do other people make money on this idea? Has it come back to, to bite um, people, you know, in, in, in difficult times? And some people ask about um, passive income options like drink, vending, or other rental machines in, in public places. And the bottom line is, is don't fall for any passive income ideas that promise a quick return 
uh, or require a huge amount of money up front. Um, that's going to sabotage your other financial goals. Instead, of look for something that's steady, profitable, and trustworthy. Do your research. Don't go into debt for it. Um, be careful of, I think, that the advice of you know quick rich, getting, getting rich quick off of these things. You need, need to walk away from it. Yeah, it's just not realistic. You know, I mean. Uh, it takes time. It takes time. Anybody can, can get into these type things. So it's not going to be a quick get rich quick type scheme. Um, you know, the few stories you hear about people that really do exceptionally well are, are just kind of luck. I mean, they're in the right place at the right time. So don't count on that happening. So that's um, anyway, good topic. And that leads us up here to our prescription of the week. Yeah. So if you haven't rebalanced your portfolio recently, you may want to take a look at that. Um, you know, we, we recommend we rebalance uh, quarterly. That's our process. And um, that, that may be too difficult if you're an individual listening to this. Maybe it's annually. But if you haven't done it, um, you know, in, in a year or, or so, you may want to take a look at it. International stocks are, are down this year. We see a pretty big divergence between the asset classes. Growth stocks in the U.S. have done fantastic. Um, these trends change, and we don't know when they're going to change. That's how rebalancing works is you sell an asset class that has done well, and you go invested in an asset class that has underperformed because they do go in cycles. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, um, you know, you, you, you have to make sure that you're well diversified and you stay in the right allocation. Right now, internationals are at 25 to like 40 percent discount um, compared to U.S. stocks. So it's a great time to rebalance your portfolios. So you want to make sure you're periodically rebalancing. Any good investment strategy includes periodic rebalancing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. great prescription of the week. All right, that's been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week. There are more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us out on our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info@moneymd.net, or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening, and have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. 